Hi, I'm Steve Lodori. And I'm Akiva Bibi. Together, we'll be talking to leading innovation experts from across the world who are going to share how they've been keeping themselves busy during this time of disruption. That is, reinventing themselves, their teams, and their businesses at breakneck speed so that they can be ready for the new normal. Today, I'm very excited that we are joined by an executive at Procter & Gamble, Carl Frake. Carl is an associate director at P&G. He's currently supply chain leader and lean innovation, continuous improvement leader for a very exciting area known as Procter & Gamble Ventures. And Carl is going to talk to us all about that. Uh, Carl has an amazing 34 years of experience at P&G. He's held a number of leadership positions in areas including innovation, manufacturing, and supply chain, business management, and capability improvement. And during this great career, he has traveled the world with P&G, spending 15 years outside the U.S., including China, Ukraine, and Singapore. So a very diverse background. Currently, he's talking to us from his home in Cincinnati, Ohio, here in the U.S., uh, working from home like just about all of us are during this uh, uh, coronavirus pandemic. So, Carl, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Steve. So, as we talk today, we're in a world where whether you wanted to be disrupted or not, you have been disrupted. And we've talked a lot in our corporate entrepreneur community about how you lead um, during, you know, let's say relatively stress-free times, which in the world of innovation is, of course, never stress-free a whole lot of things, but boy, things have really doubled down now in terms of what's going on uh, with the pandemic. Could you give us just a brief overview, uh, maybe even start with what exactly explaining what P&G Ventures is, and then maybe a brief overview of what you've had to do to pivot with your team in terms of how you've been operating uh, during this and what's fundamentally changed and how, how you work and how your team's operating. Sure. So Procter & Gamble Ventures is a standalone, um, very small business unit uh, inside of Procter & Gamble that uh, has um, uh, the main team sitting in Cincinnati and a smaller team sitting in China. Our mission for Procter & Gamble is to create new categories for the company by creating new brands in areas where we currently do not compete. So in regards to uh, the impact um, that the COVID-19 situation has had on us um, is, uh, first of all, it has uh, taken um, all of our employees to, um, starting in China, taking them home, um, taking them to work from home, taking them to obviously uh, shelter in place types of restrictions, uh, our China team, um, as I'm sure you've uh, been following in the press, um, has uh, um, been limited um, for uh, a number of months uh, in regards to uh, what kind of travel they can and can't do. And that has been uh, continuing to evolve as uh, the Chinese government and the Chinese society learns to much more of a track and trace um, with medical um, testing um, along the way. Uh, and uh, you know, they, have, they have learned a lot um, and uh, they have certainly demonstrated the benefits um, of a highly disciplined uh, and um, uh, society 
uh, can have on being able to deal with something like COVID-19 uh, and uh, pretty dramatically um, control uh, the outbreak by um, leveraging uh, the, the, um, the society and, and the norms of, of uh, what happened in that society. We um, have specific uh, teams that are focused on um, dealing with a whole bunch of different areas. We have teams uh, that are using what we call command center uh, types of uh, organization structure, working with our partners and our suppliers, working on matters such as logistics and transportation between uh, countries, um, working on best practices for protecting our employees. As you can imagine, our employees in our factories and our distribution centers needed to continue to work throughout this. Um, sure. Yeah, there's been a great deal of support for them, but it all really at the end of the day revolves around learning and um, really reapplying best practices no matter where they come from. As you as you entered the the pandemic, as you and your team entered the pandemic, because you're you're we'll ask you maybe in a second here if you can if you can come up with um, some examples of. Uh, of projects you've been you've been working on, but you had to have physically been disrupted. I mean, we in our corporate entrepreneur community, we have a number of of members who are let's call them digital companies, finance organizations, insurance organizations. So when everyone went to home, of course it was a hiccup, and you had to really change what was going on. But in your case, you you've got physicality, you've got supply chain, you've got this. What, what happened initially as you, as you entered the pandemic, given that you're a global organization, you were sourcing things globally? So Procter & Gamble um, has an um, approach to um, the, the recognition that there are going to be things that happen that we call business continuity planning. And we do that across our supply chains. We do that related to our organization and, and people systems. And we do that related to our um, IT uh, infrastructure. And so um, the, 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 the key to dealing with uh, any kind of a uh, disaster, if you will, uh, is to have those plans ready, understand what elements of the organization are going to lead those plans, uh, and get on with it. And so kind of at a um, you know, 10,000-meter level, uh, that's, that's the overarching answer to your question. How, how did you have to adjust when you have a very, I'm not sure if highly regulated is the right term and that you're, of course, your industry is regulated in many industries, in, but P&G is known for its matrix and its global matrix and some would say command and control. Did that help you or hurt you during this, during this situation? And maybe from there, Akiva, we can get into maybe some you know, yeah, leadership yeah. and skills and things that have been have been demonstrated, but but Carl, how did how did the was the organization uh, DNA, if you would, a, a helper or a hindrance? You you kind of touched on it with some of these command center comments. Yeah, so um, the 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 traditional matrix structure of Procter and Gamble um, was um, evolved. Um, it continues to evolve, but there was a fairly significant evolution a couple of years ago where um, our markets. Um, were um, provided with a, a, a significant change in the amount of local control that they have of working with consumers, tailoring um, programs really related to our customer channels and our consumer needs 
um, in their particular markets. And um, if you think about the business continuity planning and, and dealing with COVID, it was really mm-hmm. the best of both worlds approach that um, was executed, where you have the strong capabilities and experience um, of something like our global uh, product supply um, organization. But then within the individual markets, the government requirements, um, regulations, uh, ability to move around, all of those kinds of things, and, and therefore collaborating with local stakeholders, it was very important that that collaboration and influence with local stakeholders took place. And with the evolution of our structure from a couple of years ago, that um, I think went um, pretty smoothly. And as I had said previously, those learnings through forums that Mm -hmm. are happening literally in in a lot of cases every morning, those forums are continuing to update um, the balance of the organization around what's working here, what's working there to help people in other markets, uh, other regions be able to take those lessons and apply them in their market. It's not at all surprising that you kind of had that backbone but it's great to also to hear about how you're adopting and learning literally daily in local environments in all different in, in different places. I mean, the, the, the press, I don't need to tell you, has been filled with stories of organizations who, you know, are clearly were not prepared and have been totally blindsided. Uh, not, not that P&G or any of us weren't blindsided by the pandemic, but the fact that you, you, you have the, uh, the org structure and the backbone in place to be able to deal with it is, uh, is, is, is quite, quite commendable. Akiva, let me let me pass it over to you. Yeah, and, and Carl, I mean, I mean, what's what we're kind of really curious about as well is just, you know, how when you talk about that structure, it almost sounds like you, you structured to to be very flexible, right? Which is kind of quite a contradiction. And we, you know, for a lot of the listeners out there, you know, some of them have these massive organizations and their inability to really respond quickly to these radical changes and fast-moving environment is a massive struggle. So we'd love to hear more about how you've worked it out. Like what are the kind of capabilities you're finding help you really maneuver and, and be much more responsive in this market? Like what does that look like? These new ways of working. Right. So um, in, in regards to, I'll, I'll talk a couple of things here. I, uh, I'll talk about as that relates to um, internal operations, and then maybe I'll talk a little bit about how that relates to um, moving forward with innovation. Um, First of all, related to internal uh, infrastructure, it really um, does come back to um, having a knowledge uh, and um, having networks in place where the relationships are already built. Right. We have across literally all of our functions and um, as applicable, wherever common tasks are being accomplished, we have global networks and regional networks. And because those networks already exist, the IT and other communication infrastructure is already in place for those networks and the relationships are already built within those networks. It's extremely easy for those networks to be able to pivot. Um, away from the normal continual improvement role that those networks play or governance role that those networks play to dealing with a crisis. Um, The trust is already there. Of course, we all know that that is so incredibly important to um, 
the, the, to speed and agility. Uh, and so the fact that those networks are forever, they're, they're, they don't just come up in the time of crisis. Those networks exist uh, in an underlying purpose of continual improvement. You get that benefit of being able to pivot them, as I'd said. Um, and so that's, the, that's this balance between the power of this large um, global multi, um, multi-discipline, multi-business unit company and, and being able to understand those best practices, but at the same time, the freedom and um, capability, don't forget the capability has to be there, but you know, you know, making sure that we have very capable leaders running those local organizations and the right infrastructure of, of engaging the local communities, local stakeholders, so that they can tailor the best practices um, to what is needed in their particular um, geography. Moving on then to innovation, um, I think it's uh, very much a common theme that the, the tools that exist um, with collaboration tools like what, Zoom that we're using here today, um, but all of the um, other collaboration tools that exist, uh, for example, Microsoft Teams, just as another example, where you can um, you can securely and and privately at a one-to-one basis, or if you're doing something, um, you know, in regards to a, a highly confidential project or conversation, all the way to maybe using another tool like WebEx at the enterprise level, um, where you where you really want to have a town hall, for example, um, and have uh, have it moderated, and you know, be able to raise your hand and all those kinds of good things. You have this whole range of ways to be able to engage regardless of location, regardless of time zone, because of the fact that, uh, you know, all those uh, uh, infrastructures are now in place. And particularly, I think the biggest, the biggest learning that I've seen here is if you consider consumers and customers, you know, being channel retailers, for example, and the individual consumer, and then our supplier partners, our innovation partners, our ability to engage them in the way that we're engaging each other right now and leveraging video, you know, really being able to look at um, the consumer's house. We have consumers who we're we're finding are very comfortable uh, taking their iPhone or whatever device it is and walking around their house and, and and showing us things that uh, we used to feel (laughs) it was important for us to have to go to their home. They're showing us their house. You know, that wow, that's one incredible. example of um, a surprise for us. And that's interesting, Carl, because that, that, that elicits that point you made around trust. I mean, how did you manage to elicit that, that level of trust where they're willing to let you into their home? I think, it, I, I think trust, um, first of all, starts with extremely consistent um, values and how you consistently communicate those values. Um, and, and for example, in, in the space of, of talking about collaboration, you know, the personal privacy is something that, um, you know, uh, individuals take extremely uh, seriously, regardless of where you are in the world. And our company um, takes that incredibly seriously. We do a lot of training with our employees 
that are involved in collaborating with individual consumers about what their consumers' rights are, you know, what legislation is, and we make sure that our IT um, tech stack infrastructure is all in line with, with following that. And we, and, and we talk to our consumers about that. We talk to, um, and we communicate that on our websites. And so because our consumers know we're very serious about that, that is kind of that first level of trust. And then the second level of trust really comes down to, you know, um, how do we engage them in conversation? How do we engage them using other digital media um, in regards to um, really listening to them? Uh, and, and if we say to them, we're going to follow up with you, following up with them. And, and, I, and I guess that brings me to the point around this, the sort of the new leadership characteristics you've seen emerging in your enterprise. To be able to put you in that position of such good trust and being able to pivot and partner and collaborate, like what, is, what does that look like for a lot of organizations are trying to work out what this new leadership currency is that, that they need to lead the organization to a year end? Yeah, I have been, first of all, I've been extremely impressed with our senior leadership, our business leadership in this regard. Um, obviously, our company makes an incredible amount of investment. Uh, in leadership, and uh, there is a high expectation with our senior leadership that they role model the desired behavior, and I think they just do an outstanding job with that. Um, what I think is really critical that they've done a great job demonstrating is, first of all, adaptability, uh, and um, they have um, demonstrated a um, a real empathy uh, and and. You, you, you can absolutely feel um, uh, every day that it's genuine. Um, and, and the fact that they have the uh, humility um, to really talk about what's going on in their life, what's going on with their families, what's going on with their personal schedule, um, what's working and not working. And so because of that empathy and because of that humility, I think it really makes the organization that much more interested to listen to what they have to say. And then I would say, last but not least, our, our senior leaders, uh, and, and again, our, our, our local leaders, have an extremely high expectation of themselves and of, of, of each other related to being lifetime learners. And because of that expectation, questions are being asked for the true purpose of seeking to understand versus where you may know of some examples where questions are being asked more or less to check boxes or maybe even for someone yeah. to listen, you know, listen to themselves talk that, that I can very proudly say um, is not what's going on uh, in my experience. It's really seeking to understand to make a difference. Right. I mean, I'm kind of hearing that they, they seem to be quite open with not knowing what's going on and really learning new things. Is, is that correct? I, 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 I think that that's true. Um, again, to the, the, the humility and, um, you know, making themselves uh, available. Maybe I could say emotionally available for that kind of a conversation to be open and, and uh, to be able to say, I don't know. I need you to teach me. What did that mean? Some of the things that, uh, you know, are signals for me that, you know, you really do have a leader who's open to learning. Um, however, 
clearly the purpose of conversations that senior leadership is having with um, the organization is about solving a problem. And, and mm -hmm. so the, the questions are very much um, part of a journey to gain learning for the purpose of solving a problem. I think that's a, that's a great takeaway uh, for, for our listeners. I seem to recall there, there's some story you talked about of it was a team of your employees or startups. I'm not sure that you were partnering with them, but something about getting uh, PPE ready or something like that. Does, does that ring a bell um, story of, of helping some people rapidly develop some new products? So um, I'll, I'll just tell you, there's a lot of stories out there, but I'll, I'll tell you one um, that uh, some, some of the engineers in my organization actually were involved with. Um, there is a, uh, a retiree uh, researcher, retired researcher of Procter & Gamble, who's been working just by coincidence on a portable ventilator. And ah. um, uh, when, when it became very clear that um, ventilators were something that were going to really be urgently needed, also the recognition that they were going to be urgently needed in um, uh, developing countries, uh, and out in the countryside, um, this uh, person um, approached our chief technology officer uh, and our chief innovation officer and um, asked uh, if he had an idea, this is Kathy Fish, uh, asked if uh, she had any ideas on um, how to accelerate things. And just to make a long story short, um, she made uh, resources within PNG available uh, temporarily to help this uh, startup um, get into uh, a uh, the development of the ventilator from being an MVP to actually having design elements that would have the uh, ventilator um, ready for scale. And wow. uh, and this took this took place in in a matter of weeks. Uh, and our company has um, a very clear knowledge at a corporate level of um, some specific unique skills that some of our engineers and scientists have. And so, uh, you know, when, when they first got together, they identified, okay, these are the specific um, areas that need to be addressed to be able to move this MVP into something that could go into scaled production. What are the specific skills that are needed? to be able to solve those problems. And, uh, and they went out and, and found um, those, those resources. Fortunately, literally all of them were available in the Cincinnati area. And as you can imagine, there was absolutely no conversation. Not only did the people who had those skills engage, but it was a great honor for them. Um, and mm -hmm. opportunity of a lifetime, if you would, to be able to, to contribute to something that, uh, had the potential to, to be such a benefit to society. What changes do you see coming out for your organization that you think might be beneficial for others to, to be thinking about, uh, you know, how, in terms of how you're going to operate post post pandemic and changes that you think are going to be sticking or changes that will come in terms of how you operate going, going forward. Yeah, I, I think that um, there's a lot of, uh, learning that's taking place related to uh, the digital uh, opportunities as it relates to um, 
the digital side, which I'm sure um, you're hearing about um, through others as well, is just the question of um, where is work? And, and what, you know, um, is, is when do you really need to be physically with other people? And then related to that, um, what impact does this have on um, recruiting? And does this potentially change um, where some of our employees are located? If we need a specific skill set that we can't find within our uh, metropolitan area, I think we felt uh, really constrained by that and felt like we had to physically have the person relocate. After this experience, I think we're going to rethink that question Steve and I have been thinking about is, is what are those future skills that are really hot in demand that you're seeing now as you're thinking about recruiting and pivoting that all of us should be really considering and thinking through? So I think adaptability is the first one I would mention, and that is around um, being open to uh, win-win Scenarios, for example, back to the location thing, somebody uh, may be uh, bound to a mortgage and so incredibly difficult to leave some metropolitan area. And so they might need to work um, a different set of hours um, to be able to maintain their current location. They may have to travel away from home a week a month, but but it generates a win-win and it really creates a, a good possibility for connection between a skill set and the needs that an individual organization has. Obviously, knowing how to use and leverage collaboration tools, and not just knowing how to do that, but really knowing it at a level that adds a, a different level of value to your organization. So you're constantly out there testing new tools, testing new approaches, and then bringing those to your organization is an opportunity for productivity or collaboration uh, uh, engagement so that you're really adding value in a new way versus, okay, I know how to do a, a certain kind of a test method in the laboratory. Maybe that was the real benefit uh, five years ago. But now I really have a new method to be able to engage a consumer in the Czech Republic. Uh, and not needing to travel to the Czech Republic, that could really uh, be the, you know, the the next generation of a capability that an organization really values. And then last but not least, I would say self-management and self-discipline is going to become much more important um, as the lines of where the work location is become more blurred. Um, you're not going to have direct management. Um, the time when you're working when you're not working probably be more under the employee's control. Um, and so that employee is going to have to have a lot of discipline on, on how they manage their work-life balance and also a lot of discipline on getting the work done without somebody looking over their shoulder. Let me take a shot at trying to wrap up with, with what, I, uh, what I heard that maybe we can uh, share with our, our listeners as takeaways for them. Uh, first, I mean, just the fact that P&G is global, regional, and local and has infrastructure already set up and operating processes is really, really sounds to me like you've been able to leverage it to help manage through this through this crisis. I, I think you said something to the fact that 
you're, you're learning and disseminate, you're learning every day and disseminating that learning across the organization, locally, regionally, and globally every, every day. So I think that's really, really a fantastic takeaway. Behind that, which I hadn't really thought about, but what made it possible is you said you, you leveraged all the things that you had built up. I had talked about P&G being famous as a matrix organization, but extremely well run at the same time. You said you took the trust that was built up and the procedures built up during, quote, normal operating times, like continuous improvement and things like that, and was able to pivot into a crisis mode to be able to leverage them during this time, which has clearly served you folks very, um, very well. Perhaps the biggest takeaway that, that I got was new types of leadership, and maybe not, not completely new, but certainly evolving. Um, hearing about leaders who are learning, empathetic leaders, leaders who are supporting individuals all over the globe. The story you mentioned about a retired engineer who literally, you know, called in one day and said, hey, I think I can help, and your organization made the resources available. I think we, we're seeing more and more examples of people taking initiative to be, I guess, I guess what some of us call a learning leader, uh, showing humility, showing that we're all in this together are really, really valuable skills um, going forward. And then, and then maybe to kind of build on that, I'm thinking that you're, you're, I, I have not heard the term, where is work? I think that's a, that's a fascinating and very, very relevant new term. And you coupled that, coupled that with a, uh, adaptability of employees, you're going to need to have new skills. You're going to need to use all these digital skills, which which are available and which do make a lot of this possible to do. Uh, and I think the idea of you know, where is work also then uh, brings in pieces of when is work. You know, you mentioned like, you know, maybe you're going to travel one week a month, but then the rest of the time you're going to work out of your home. It's really something that can scale organizations in completely different ways. And I think make you very, um, uh, uh, very flexible, adaptable, and, and hopefully very successful for uh, for the years going forward. The fact that consumers are getting more digitally and socially aware and letting themselves become more involved. I mean, the idea of you visiting a home by having a consumer volunteer like, you know, hey, I'll show you exactly how I'm using this product. Yeah, I don't think would have happened even a couple of years ago, but now uh, it sounds like people are happy to do it. And heck, you know, Lean Startup and all we've been talking about in terms of, you know, trusting and agility and sharing in the corporate entrepreneur community just, you know, continues to be, I think, a, just a great vehicle uh, for all of us. So thank you. Thank you again for everything here. Uh, we will wrap it up now. I'd like to remind anyone listening that uh, you can you can find this or forward it at uh, bit.ly forward slash disrupted today, B-I-T-L-Y forward slash disrupted today. Uh, we hope that you will share this. And Carl, thank you very, very much for taking time with us. Akiba, thank you for your input as well. So come join the movement. Find us at bit.ly forward slash disrupted today.